0: This is the BBC.
1: This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK.
0: This is the BBC.
2: Hello, I'm Helen Mark and thanks for downloading this episode of Radio 4's Open Country podcast, a series that brings you fascinating stories from every corner of the UK countryside. We hope you enjoy it.
3: Survival skills where I come from include being the first one at Waitrose on a Monday morning to make sure I can get my vegan sugar-free chocolate, or squeezing into like a really packed tube train so I can get to work. And when I was a kid, I never had to identify a mushroom except in the supermarket or build my own shelter. I never had to build a campfire, which is what Susanna Lyons is doing now. So Susanna, tell me where we are. So right now we're on the Hatfield Moors, which is just a few
2: miles from Doncaster Centre. And this is actually where we do our survival challenge. You literally have to make your own shelter using just the sheets. You have to make a fire and keep it going all through the night. So I stayed up all night (laughs) tending to the fire. We had to make our own food. So we had to create like a tripod area, boil the water, make like a stew. And we did that all out
3: here. I'm so impressed. (laughs) You look so glamorous and you're out in the woods making fires. Yeah. For this week's Open Country, I'm visiting forest, moors and parkland around Doncaster in South Yorkshire to find out how young people here are using the countryside. Okay, so your role here, Flying Futures, right, is to... Help young people get involved with the outdoors, is that right? Yeah,
2: so I first got into it with my volunteering, though. Uh, I did the apprenticeship, and through that, we did a lot of different programmes around Doncaster, Mm -hmm. you know, with the outdoors, on the moorland. And then through that, I've engaged young people to do the same. So mm-hmm. I've actually brought young people from a alternative education. Right. So, you know, when they've been kicked out of schools, mm-hmm. we actually brought a group of young people to this area. Yeah. And they did a lot of outdoor learning, and they were totally different people. You know, put them in the classroom, awful. You know, bring them to the outdoors. Yeah. They, they absolutely loved it. So yes. what
3: do you think the difference is about putting children in a classroom and mm-hmm. learning and bring them outdoors to learn? How, what's the difference in them, do you think?
2: It, it's kind of that feeling of freedom. Like, they know that they're not confined to the four walls, that if they wanted to, they could actually run and be free. Yeah. But because we've gained that respect, they don't want to do that because they feel safe around us and doing different tasks that, you know, you can't do in a classroom. Like
3: what kind of tasks? Well, task? like this. Like they want to fire. set fire
2: to things, so why don't we let them set a fire? You know? So
3: they actually can start fire, they can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: They um, want to go fishing. We, we've got a pond around there with, you know, fish that they can catch and return. We can teach them that. We can do that. That's absolutely fine but they're told, you know, maybe they're not allowed to do things like that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And what's most young people's first reaction when you bring them out here? Because it's just, for for me, I'm from London. Yeah. And we're around lots of trees (laughs) and mud. Yeah, exactly. And grass, and there's no, like, structured activities already there, ready to go, and... Well, I was one of those young people. I
2: really did not want to be out in the outdoors if I didn't need to. Like, today's a nice day, this is fine, you know, but me, a couple of years ago, still, I would not have liked to be out here. I was more a theatrical person, been into my singing and my dancing, and then when I started doing the volunteer work and and saw people actually engaging, and then realising for myself how, because I was one of those young people at school, you know, I, I wasn't getting the support and doing things that maybe would have brought me on as a person, whereas, you know, being out here... Yeah, to me, it's, it's kind of changed my perception, 100%. What's the most fun thing that you've done out here? Oh well, it's kind of fun, but kind of dangerous as well. <laughs> there's quite, a, And I I think you might be like, oh, gosh, there's a lot of adders around here. Oh, so great. the only poisonous snake in the UK are on this moorland, and there's quite a lot of them. And we've done an adder spotting session once, and obviously with the young people, it was a kind of cross between they were really scared because it's so dangerous, but also wanted to take a photo of an adder because you know not a lot of people get to be so close to an adder, so that was a really fun but also I was really scared.
3: And did you find it? <laughs> yeah, we really? found some.
2: And say it was like a route like this. If one's you know crossing your route, you can't step over it. So then you've got to find a different route. So that was really impressive, especially with the ex-army guys who lead this session, and they have compasses and they they show you how to use a compass, how to map plan. So we had to. We planned this route and then we were like oh gosh what we're we gonna do so we have to get the compass out plan another route how we're we gonna get back to camp
3: yeah. so that was
2: really yeah that was really fun
3: so as i was walking i noticed that there was a lot of barbed wire up there and that's a prison isn't it <laughs> so you can see yeah. the young people are in here and they can see the prison yeah and then they can see The outdoors, people who are completely confined to their space and being out here, which is the complete opposite. You've got all this freedom and And space. And
2: we do touch on that because, like I say, especially the alternative education, young people, you know, where they're unsure the easy option would be to just let themselves go and do things that would find themselves in that, and we do make a point of that. You know, it's HMP Lindome, it's it's a huge prison in Britain, so we kind of make that. There is literally barbed wire separating you from that. And your future could go either way. You could be out here with us, enjoying your life, or you could be in there with them and not getting this. So yeah, Yeah. I suppose that's yeah.
3: So before you became part of flying futures, you were really into performing arts, right? Like me, singing, dancing, and acting. Have you ever gone right out into the middle of the trees and just started singing really loudly? (laughs) No, actually. That was the first thing I thought. Oh, I could just go over there, just sing. Yeah, really loudly. Yeah. Not feel conscious that anyone was going to judge me apart from the trees and the birds. The
2: trees, yeah. Maybe the echo.
3: Yeah. <laughs> to the prison. I think I'd like the yeah. echo. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. No, I actually. think this actually lends itself to uh, somebody who's into to performing because you have that space. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd love to be able to do projects with young people where we come out here and just use the space to perform in. Theatre you
3: know. in the woods. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: There we go. That's it. We'll set one up. Well, at least if I've added something. It occurred to me the other day that we could all actually just stay indoors. It could be forever or even just for a year because we get most things delivered nowadays, our clothes, our food. We can call people all over the world whenever we want. We can still access things that we want to watch. We can work from home. And so I guess it could be quite easy to never really go outdoors. Not everybody has a garden or any real outside space it's quite scary that you could spend so much time at home and not be outside. And now I'm going to meet Megan Humphreys and Helen Earnshaw, who work for the Yorkshire Wildlife Trust. They're on a programme called Tomorrow's Natural Leaders, and they're based at a wildlife reserve called Potterick Carr.
4: So the Tomorrow's Natural Leaders scheme is one of 31 nationwide projects that are run by Our Bright Future, which is a campaign. The first part of the project is very practical, so we've been going clearing land, working with volunteers, and then the second half of our project, we do our own individual... Projects. Mini-projects. Yeah, mini-projects. Tell me about your project that you've been doing. Well, our project specifically is about mental health. Uh So we're trying to build connections between the NHS and the Trust and other organisations such as MIND, you know, the Mental Health Authority. It's such... Such a good opportunity, the space we have at Potrick here and within Yorkshire Wildlife Trust to get people in and to have an escape from everyday worries and troubles. Yes. And it's a nice alternative to more invasive methods of mental health. So mindfulness sessions and stress relief uh, classes, and they're going to hold them in at Potrick. We want it as something that's accessible for
3: all. Nature should be accessible for everybody Mm -hmm. and so should positive mental health. And do you think it's had a positive impact on your own mental health because you are out here a lot now? 100%. I can definitely confirm being outside
4: (laughs) definitely helps mental health. So much, yeah. We'll come sometimes in the morning and we'll be so grumpy and not prepared for the day. (laughs) And then just half an hour, just being outside, socialising, having some clean air, you just feel a lot calmer. Mm -hmm. Such a natural way to feel better. Yeah. It's one of the most, like, primitive forms of therapy. Everyone's been doing it for hundreds of years, going out into nature, just going outside and just calming down. Children always used to play outside after school, in the streets and stuff. We don't really do that anymore. Yeah, it sounds so cliche to say, oh, we're a technology generation. But and we kind of We are. love our computers, <laughs> but we, we sadly really are. Really and it is nice to have something that's a pull towards nature from a different perspective, mm-hmm. especially a lot of late teenagers, early 20s, are struggling with mental health it's very common to put the well-being perspective on it and say this is calming this is good for you it definitely is a nicer way to attract people yeah i'd never seen a no, wild day before um, i came to project and you get so close to them it's, it's amazing uh, they're so graceful mm. and it just feels it's like such a privilege to see them in their natural environment it's very surreal yeah it sounds really lame to say that but
3: just on my way here i was like <gasps> animals <laughs> out <laughs> in the yeah, we show people around sometimes, like mm-hmm. a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I'm from London, and yeah, there's like foxes where they come out late at night mm-hmm. to eat mm-hmm. the stuff, stuff and out do. the bin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not really the same. So it's really exciting for me. I love it. So if you want to visit this forest in South Yorkshire, you might have to step around a tank or some people throwing axes or shooting paintballs at you as well as the usual foresty stuff. It kind of looks a bit like a film set. Helicopters and there's army trucks dotted around. I'm here at Bautry Paintball Fields. It's the biggest paintball center in Europe and it's set in 385 acres of Bautry Forest, just outside of Doncaster. And Carl Broadbent is the owner. I'm going to find him and ask if I can have a go.
0: It gets kids out of the dark bedrooms, drags them out into the forest and and in their head they're probably playing a game for real, playing the computer games for real. Um, So they're getting active, they're getting the heart pumping and and, and the blood pumping and experiencing nature in in a way that that they probably wouldn't have consciously done, but they're out here doing it.
3: Yeah. You said that it's like in their head they'll be playing a video game and you look around, the landscape that you first see is all the trees and the things that you would expect to find in nature and then there's just... A helicopter hidden in the trees yeah sort of <laughs> plonked in the middle
0: yeah. and, and there's a bit of a story actually behind some of the stuff we've got here so behind me is a lynx helicopter yeah. uh, which was one of three helicopters two lynx and one Hue helicopters that we bought from Warner brothers in leavesden and they were all in the Tom Cruise film Edge of Tomorrow a few years ago
3: how much do you think it encourages them to use their imagination because i guess a bit controlled, you know, this is the area that you'll be in the game and there'll be rules and things like that.
0: A lot, and it's not just the kids, it's the adults as well. We see people turn up suited and booted straight from work sometimes, uh, sort of four or five o'clock on a a Friday tea time for a game, a corporate event. So kids and adults alike will turn up very measured and, and fairly in control couple of games in, they will return to our sort of safe area, our base camp, giddy as anything, a million stories each, who shot who who did what, who's the best and they'll still be buzzing about it a week or two later so imagination goes wild probably partly adrenaline fuelled I guess so yeah, m- very much so
3: This is a real forest right? It
0: is, yeah, it's a working forest trees are harvested and replanted and so on and they'll clear fell areas, so in other words drop every tree in a certain area every 25 years or so and harvest the wood. The trees we're still under right now are Scots pine. They've been here about 85 years and apparently they'll stand for another 40 years.
3: So you have groups who use the space for special military training. You do. Um, it'd be good to talk about that a bit as long as we don't have to sign any official secrets.
0: Yeah, after. sure. <laughs> um, so we have a company use this land who specialise in training people who are about to take up jobs in areas of conflict. In fact, I've <laughs> dipped my head in once or twice and watched them do some of the training. They wow. do hostage situations where they'll sort of bag them and they'll interrogate them and so on and so on. And then they'll debrief and discuss afterwards how they might have dealt with being in that position a little differently or, or better. Yeah. Ways to stay alive, basically. Really interesting. They have a psychologist who work with them. Some of them are ex-SAS. It's a completely different use to what we do. What we do is all about the fun. What they do is not at all really.
3: And <laughs> so if I can shoot you now. Yeah.
0: Okay, go. So
3: he cheated and didn't actually tell me how to play the game properly. Sorry. So I used my imagination. I hid behind trees. I've tried to run away. I was really bad at it because I don't play enough.
0: I thought thought you did really well, I thought you
3: made a really good target. (laughs) (laughs) The landscape here, just a few miles east of Doncaster, is pretty flat. Flat enough for planes to take off. Sheffield Doncaster Airport's just over there, what used to be RAF Finningley. But now, as well as planes, this landscape's home to polar bears, tigers... And lions. That
1: That's right, but it's just in case you have an animal escape or
3: anything like that. I have to have it on.
1: But yeah, I can. Please keep
3: it on. Yes. <laughs> this I'm is the Yorkshire D- Wildlife D- Park, D- and I'm with Rachel Ford, who's the education assistant here. And just over there is a group of lions. Real lions. They're huge. <laughs> but there is a fence in between me and the lions.
1: Bray and Marcus territory now for you. Is it
3: Yeah. <laughs> and they're all sort of walking over towards me. There's a meat container where they butcher up all the meat, and they've just opened it, um, and I think they're preparing their food. So they're all sort of coming over, which I'm loving because I'm definitely taking a selfie with the lions. So they're
1: just chopping up the meat for the lions there, I don't know if you can hear so that's our lovely carnivore team in there We've got all the oh, goggles I and everything on all the gloves on, uh, we can go and have a little nosy. I'll just go and check
3: Oh my right. goodness, that is I know. A, <laughs> a lot of meat
1: isn't it No it's An
3: just awful a
1: lot, lot to of see you kind of, If you're a carnivore keeper you kind of have to be a butcher as well at the same time, so you have to be able to dissect all your meat into different pieces for them, so giving it a good saw um, What make kind sure of meat gonna, is it? At the meat, I can't tell from here, but it, does, it is red meat that we feed them, so it's a variety that we can feed. Um, so it could be like beef, but it could be something else. Go a little bit closer, I'll just see if we can. Yeah. I've done check. <gasps> Are you a vegetarian? Most
4: of the time. <laughs> I
2: can't, I can't look at it. Oh my god, it's got hair still on it.
1: It's still got hair on it. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> That, that, that come a little in there, they still to. got hair
3: on. Yeah. What do you do with the hair? I often wear extensions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Use it
4: for fibre. They eat it. They lick it off. They still
3: eat the
4: hair. <laughs> it's off the animal, so um, it's used for fibre, and they'll use the tongue to
3: nip like the hair off the meat. So every little bit. There go you. I have never seen anything like this in my life. <laughs> And, um, rip there. From what animal? That's horse. Oh, this is a bit of horse, this one. Oh, a bit horse, yeah. <laughs> and in here, is it horse? recycling? Is it the horse <laughs> in there with the hair? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is just recycling, though, don't worry. We don't oh, say you can you I shoot a right. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> But look at that with the hair. It doesn't look, it looks like you put a wig on it. <laughs> wow. I mean, they shop bought like but they're not first
2: <laughs> they'll take it either way.
3: I'm really impressed that you do this and like oh. I mean, obviously they need to eat and I that you like take care and how you prepare it for them. I think it's amazing. I'm just squeamish and a weirdo. <laughs> Ignore me but well, I, I, think, I think it's so cool. I think we were when we started and
2: then you just because you're so used to handling it sort of daily you just get used to it. I, I'm still a bit squeamish with heads. Oh. <laughs> like heads yeah. heads are yeah. still a bit like
3: so does, it, does the animal come in
2: full like so they're it kind heads of f- they eat the heads as well. yeah yeah and the heads are actually really uh, for, um, to feed in captivity that's really good because it takes the animal ages to actually get through it and it cleans all their teeth because it's really bony and um, the brain is really nutritious so and they'll eat the tongue as well so <laughs> enrichment as
3: and, well as food
2: yeah and if you're a polar bear you like to stash it in the lake for a week and then bring it out and eat it a week later
3: that's amazing <laughs> Wow. Thank you. You're very welcome. Wow. I'm
2: going to
3: No, no, I'll be fine. I think if I was prepared for that, I would have maybe to help a bit a little bit cool about it, but I really wasn't prepared.
1: You've got Simra and his mum Maria here. Maria! Yeah, not Sarabi. <laughs> no, we're not sticking to it, are we? <laughs> Maria! <laughs> they did all come with the names pre pre pre-approved. Um, so we stuck to the names that they were given. Um, he is lovely. Oh, oh, hello. You can hear him, he's making a bit of a grumble for you oh. now. So hopefully the others might start answering him soon. Just letting the other boys <gasps> he knows and wow. know that he's here. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> so most of the landscape here is actually landscaping, isn't it? Yes. Because it's been designed yes. specifically as a habitat for... All the different animals you mm-hmm. look after.
1: We just call it Lion Country, this lion area. Lion Country. So our African savannas over that end, and uh. this is Lion Country. So they are sort of interlinked, so right. all the African animals are quite
3: close together. How difficult has it been to create all of the different environments when you're on, basically, fields just... Outside Doncaster. Yeah, no, it seems really <laughs> strange, doesn't it? Lions in Doncaster.
1: It does take a lot of planning. So we have a projects team that work mm-hmm. on building them and designing them uh, trying to keep them as natural looking as possible. You probably see we don't have a lot of like glass or anything like that. We don't really like that feel. We like it to look like you sort of stood almost in with them so it makes them feel really close to you it takes a long time so it takes a lot of planning we always have a budget and we always go over budget (laughs) there's always something and we think oh that'd be really nice we'll we'll add this in we'll add that in so you can see we've got sort of the waterfall down here Mm in the river and that was designed to actually separate them because lions won't cross the water so that's a really natural way of separating them without having to put up fences and things like that so all these sort of things have been planned into it as well and but also it's a little source that they can drink from it
3: as well so it has like multi-uses so they could access each other if they wanted to but they never will because that's not a thing lions yeah, they, they
1: won't cross the water. If it ever froze, we actually have something built in to break up the ice so they can't cross if it's icy because uh, that's something we've had to think in advance, like, would they do that? Which they probably yeah. would.
3: Is it true that you can hear them roar from really far away? Yeah,
1: it's about five miles away. So as you can see, we're in sort of a residential area around quite over there. You've got some housing estates. Yeah. Some of our keepers actually live in those and when they go to bed at night, they can hear them roaring from that distance away. So wow. it carries about five miles. We've had people come in like on trips or on visits say I can hear them when I'm laid in bed at night and yes. it's really surreal to think what's that noise one yes. of the things that we always find is that our guests think it's pretend noise so really? when they're stood in the shop or the courtyard queuing to come in they think we're playing it for through them speakers. Sort of say, listen, yeah, through speakers because <laughs> it doesn't sound real and they'll come in and say are they really behind there are they really that loud because they can roar at 114 decibels so right. they, they can really really carry when we do that
3: <laughs> and would you say the lions are one of the main attractions here for young people
1: Definitely, our carnivores are always a really big draw for young people. Yes. Um, I think it's because you never, you're not going to get to see these anywhere else. You're not really going to go no. have the chance to go out to Africa and actually spot them. Um, so it's a really good thing to actually engage with them and sort of tell them about them, tell them
3: sort of the story of our lions as well and why they're here. Yeah, because a lot of young people will have seen. The Lion King. Yes, (laughs) definitely. I I was in The Lion King as a kid in the West End, and I've got a little three-year-old, and now he's really into The Lion King. So he's obsessed with lions, like, anywhere we go. So, if he was here now, he would literally be jumping up and down with joy. <laughs> I can imagine that if I said to him, Oh, we're going to go somewhere today and there'll be real lions, he'd be like, I'm there now. <laughs> Definitely. How quickly. I think it.
1: it's really good that we've obviously got Simba as well. Yeah. So, when we say, Oh, we've got Simba there straight away, it's, Oh, it's the Lion King, it's the Lion yeah. King. And then we can sort of say, Oh, well, actually, yeah, it is. And it gives us a good talking yeah. point and start. So, tell me about
3: the story of these lions. How um, they got here.
1: Yeah, it, it's a really interesting story. They, they were actually all rescued from Romania. They got in contact with us. We were very new at the time. It was in 2009 we opened, and by 2010 they contacted us to see if we could home the lions. Right. At the time, because we were so small... We actually found that really difficult. We were really small business, uh, but we knew we had the space. So the News of the World actually did a really, really big campaign for us, and the public funded it, which wow. is fantastic. That's why they're here today, and they raised 150,000 pounds very, very quickly, which meant we could bring them over here. So it was at the time it was the biggest lion rescue, and 13 lions were actually rescued. Wow jet two offered us a plane and they flew to Doncaster airport so we had to get special permission for them to land there (laughs) and they were great they're really accommodating they actually did a really slow descent from Amsterdam went really really slowly so that it didn't cause ear pressure for the lions so it kept them as calm as they possibly could be so were they still awake yeah they were at the time it's a lot safer to be able to actually move them in that way when we finally opened lion country for them to go into the young boys like sort of ran out straight away, you know, exploring. They were like grass. What's this amazing grass? Running yeah. around on it. But the older lion actually took over a month to come out um, because he just had never been on grass before, and it was something really, really different for him. And we love our lions today. So they are definitely a really, really big draw. And and they are still called the Pride of Yorkshire. So we, we do Aww. like to refer to them as the Pride of Yorkshire still, which is great. And there's a tiny baby as well. We're just out at the minute, just climbing into the pouch. Oh, it oh yes, it's getting into the You are welcome to step over the fence. I don't have
3: a key. All the little wallabies and the little joeys in the pouch. Oh, it's too cute. Maybe enjoying the outdoors is a habit that you have to learn, and it could be through going for a lovely walk and that making you feel really calm and relaxed, or an organized outdoor activity or playing game with friends or getting to interact with animals like this cute wallaby. It's so cute, it's so hard to resist.